Test. Test, test. All right, we are ready to begin. If you'd like, come in and find a seat. We are ready to begin. Welcome back. Come in, find a seat. Great to see all you all here this morning. Many of you know we've been preaching through the 12 Dove values. We belong to a church family called Dove International. If you check out the map on the side wall, you can see where many of the churches are located in our church uh, family, church network, over 500-some um, churches now who are part of the, of the Dove Network. So we're not limited just to Pennsylvania, but we're all around the world, many nations. And, and these 12 values are the things that sort of bind us together, the things that are our common beliefs and core uh, beliefs to, to all of us all the way around the world. And so we're on number 10 this morning. I'm not going to repeat all the uh, one, through, one through nine. You've been hearing them. We're going to pop them up on the screen just for a second so you can, so you can see them. Uh, one through three, four. So it's uh, knowing God the Father. It is being baptized in the Holy Spirit. It is about the Great Commission, number three. Number four is the Sacred Covenant of Marriage. Number five is spiritual families, spiritual parenting. Number six, spiritual multiplication. Number seven, relationships. Dove value number eight, every Christian is both a priest and a minister. Dove value number nine, a servant's heart. And so we get to number 10. And number 10, what we're talking about today is biblical prosperity, generosity, and integrity are essential for kingdom expansion. Now, when you came in this morning, you should have got a green sermon handout. If you missed, didn't get one, there, there are piles of them back right in the uh, table in the back of the auditorium. So, so jump up and run back there and get one right now. If you didn't, uh, if you didn't get one of these uh, green handouts, that's okay. No one's, no one's going to uh, look cross out at you. Go ahead and, and run back there and get, get one uh, because you, you need one of the green handouts for this, for this morning. And I'm going to be focusing on these three points, prosperity, generosity, integrity, but mostly and, and probably the, the most important one is, is that I'm going to be focusing on is, is the area of biblical prosperity, that God is concerned about every area of your life, and every area includes your money. Matthew chapter 6 Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So how you use your money is like a deep revealing of what's inside of you. So I don't know if you've, how many of you have ever, ever had an x-ray, had an x-ray, broken bone, had to, yeah, some of you have, I've worked in the hospital as a chaplain sometimes, and I get to go into the, the rooms where the big uh, CAT scanners are, the big CT scanners, and, and you see those images coming back of what's inside a person's body, and it's like, wow, that's so cool. Look, you can see all the organs, you can see all the bones, you can see all this uh, that's inside, and guess what? How you use your money reveals what's inside, reveals your heart, whether you're a generous person whether you're a selfish person, whether you're a person of greed, uh, whether you're a person of, of integrity. And so how you use your money reveals 
your heart. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And, and so one of my main premises for this morning is that God prospers us so that we can be, on the other hand, generous givers. And, and so we want to start out this morning by looking at God's nature and, and God's character and who he is. So I want to ask, who is God to you? And, and the, especially the Hebrew Old Testament, uh, there were many names ascribed to God. So, some of these were, were names that God himself declared and spoke, and some were uh, names that people ascribed to God and, and described God. And, and so if you read through your, your new, uh, Old Testament, you'll run into uh, names like Jehovah Jireh, my provider, Jehovah Rapha, my healer, Jehovah Nissi, my banner, Jehovah Shalom, my peace, Jehovah Ra, my shepherd. And, and they're just all these Hebrew words that, that describe different characteristics, different traits of who God is. The story of of the Bible, especially the Old Testament, is the story of God just progressively revealing himself to, to mankind. So like God is gradually pulling back this curtain and, and he's revealing himself. He's showing people more and more about himself. And, and these names are, are one way that he is described. His character, his nature. God reveals his character. He reveals his goodness. He reveals his holiness. And, and then God's fullest and, and most complete revelation of himself comes in the New Testament with the birth and life, death, resurrection of Jesus, God the Son. It's God's fullest final revelation of, of who he is. So God reveals one of these aspects of himself to Abram in the book of Genesis. And, and the story goes, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. And then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings will come from you. And so this, this uh, description of God, where he starts out, I am God Almighty. And, and so the Hebrew word that, that is used there is this Hebrew word El Shaddai. The Hebrew word has several meanings. It means God Almighty. It means the mighty breasted one or the many breasted one. Now, some of you are sitting there thinking, this is really weird to be talking about in church. But, but God reveals himself in this picture. This picture of God is the picture of a mother nursing her infant with more than enough milk to bless and nourish and satisfy her baby. And, and so the baby is happy and, and satisfied and at peace and, and at rest. And when the baby's with the mother, the baby has all he or she needs. And so this picture of God, the, the great and mighty God, providing richly and generously more than we need. You'll hear that phrase. If you're around Newport Church very long, you'll hear that phrase, God of more than enough. 
uh, it's, it's, uh, has come from Brian Souter and his writings about finances. In fact, I'm going to uh, be citing uh, Brian's book, A Practical Path to a Prosperous Life. That's a lot of Ps. A Practical Path to a Prosperous Life. Um, and uh, this, this book's for, uh, for purchase out, out in the lobby, and, and it's an awesome book that, that focuses on El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. It's a phrase that is sort of built into the, the fabric and DNA of our, of our church here, and I encourage you to read it if you haven't yet. So I'm wondering, what about, what about you? In your experience, what are, what are one or two words that best describe God from your life and from your experience? Because, you know, truth be told, some people have a, a positive experience and, and viewpoint of God, and, and some don't. Many people of faith today would, would describe God personally as, uh, he's, he's the one who loves me. He's my caring father. You know, it's Father's Day. Maybe you had a good father. Maybe not. Maybe your father was completely absent in your life. But we have a good heavenly father. You could describe God perhaps as your as your protection, as your shepherd. But others I, I know who have talked to, not here, but uh, who are not believers, would not have experienced God personally. And, and they would say, oh, there is, isn't even such a thing as a God. There, God exists, but he doesn't care. God's indifferent. And so today, I want to encourage you as we talk about who God is and the character and traits of God, to, to grab onto a new mindset and a new revelation of God our Father and who He is. And, and that He prospers His people. That, that His goodness, His blessings, His prospering comes to His people. Like the parent who satisfies us with all we need. Like that mother who nurses her baby. Have you ever tried to define what it means to be blessed? So what does it mean to be blessed by God? If you have your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy 28. Uh, You can can see this in much more detail if you turn to it. I'm going to put some of it on the screen as well. But God describes in, in graphic, minute detail in Deuteronomy 28 what it means to be blessed by God. And he also describes in exquisite detail what it means to be cursed or, or not receiving the favor of God. And, and you'll learn really quickly as you look at Deuteronomy 28 which one you'd rather have. I'm going to read some of these verses, not all of them because there are lots and lots. Deuteronomy 28, all these blessings, shall, God speaking, all these blessings shall come upon you. And overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you. You one way and flee before you in seven ways. Verse 12, the Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, and give rain to your land and season. 
Bless all the work of your hands, and you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall only go up and not go down if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I commend you today, being careful to do them. Sounds pretty good. Those are God's blessings. Lots more in, in Deuteronomy 28, if, if you have time to, to read through all that. But God also defines what it means, what it looks like to be cursed or to have God's blessing and favor removed. Verse 15, but if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. And it's almost like a mirror image of the previous verses. Cursed shall you be in the city. Cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Cursed shall you be when you come in and cursed shall you be when you go out. Verse 20. The Lord will send on you curses, confusion, frustration, and all that you undertake to do until you are destroyed and perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds because you have forsaken me. Verse 25. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. You shall be a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. All these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you till you are destroyed because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that he commanded you. I don't think it should be very confusing to any of you which you should prefer. Uh, the blessings are, are amazing and the, the curses or the lack of God's protection and favor are, are horrible. And, and we see here that... that in, in God's Word, God puts natural laws and spiritual laws in effect that govern His blessings, His finan our finances, and, and all of our lives, really. Natural laws and spiritual laws. Because really, you know, we know that God doesn't change. We know that God's Word doesn't change. So do godly blessing and godly prospering depend on God alone or do they depend on us? Well, really, it's, it's both. They depend on God at work and us at work. Because God richly blesses his people, but we have to get ourselves into the right place spiritually so we can prosper. And so I have, uh, I think, five points here this morning uh, that talk about prospering and, and godly prosperity. Number one, in God's kingdom, God blesses obedience. John chapter 13 and verse 7, Jesus said as he was acting as a servant to his disciples, washing their feet, he said, if you know these things, the things that I've taught you, blessed are you if you do them. If you take steps of obedience, you will see God's favor and you will see God's blessing in your lives. So please don't get the idea that God's blessing or prospering will automatically make you a billionaire or that God promises to provide for you all the rich luxury items that life can supply. Many of you are old enough to remember an old song. I remember when I was growing up, an old popular song that was titled, Oh Lord, Won't You Buy Me a Mercedes Benz? And some of you have never heard of that and some 
can, can go on to the next line. My friends all drive Porsches. I must make amends. And then it goes on from there. But, but it's a, it's a tongue-in-cheek, uh, cheek, funny prayer to God, asking God to supply her, the singer, with a, with a, a luxury car. And, and I believe that, that many people look at God that way. God is my, my uh, uh, automatic vending machine in the sky. And, and if I do and say and act the right way, then, then I'm going to get luxury items. I'm going to get billions of dollars. And, and I don't believe that that's what God's word is, is telling us today. God says you'll be blessed if you do them. God blesses obedience. But God doesn't automatically promise to make you a, a billionaire. So in God's kingdom, God blesses obedience. Number two, in God's kingdom, there is advancement. There's, a, there's an interesting principle that comes out of the Old Testament when God's people got to the promised land and they were beginning to, uh, as God had told them, they were to go in and begin to take over that land and they were to drive out the, the people who were living there in Exodus 23. And, and God gave them a, a specific instruction as they were to take over the land. He said, you're not going to take over it all at once, like in one year or even necessarily in one generation. Uh, but God was going to fight for them and bit by bit, they were going to take over the land. God says, I will not drive them out, the people of the land, from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. But little by little, that's the principle, little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and possessed the land. In God's kingdom, there is advancement so that we advance, God's people advance little by little, bit by bit, piece by piece. And so you might only have the wisdom and capacity to wisely handle $200 this week. And so God gives you the capacity and the wisdom to be able to handle that. And then as you grow in wisdom and you grow in godliness and grow in maturity, perhaps in a year you'll have the wisdom and capacity to uh, be able to wisely handle $400 a week. And, and God begins to uh, help you grow bit by bit, piece by piece. Some years ago, I was at a church in, in Africa whose, whose members were almost all very, very poor people. Out of all the families in the church, only one family owned a car. And, and uh, they had a large parking lot and only one car. Every Sunday morning, there was only one car parked in it. And, and I heard the pastor preach about God's blessing and about God's prospering and, and setting a goal that as God advanced and blessed his people, that bit by bit, piece by piece, they would grow in advance, that more than one car would be parked in that parking lot. And, and today, I know that, that that church has a number of families now who own cars as their families financially grew in advance because of God's blessing. Matthew 25, Jesus told the story of a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Uh, many of you have, have read this parable from Matthew 25. Uh, perhaps I won't read all of it, but he, uh, to one of his three servants, he gave five talents. To the next, he gave two. To another, he gave 
one talent, and then uh, the, the master went away. And the guy who had five talents went and traded and did business and, and made five more. And the one who had two talents went and traded and did business and, and uh, gained two more. But the one who received one talent went and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. And after the, the master comes back and finds out the results of uh, what his servants had done, he commends the first one for being good and faithful. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. And also the, two, uh, the guy who had two talents came, came forward and his master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. And he, he condemned the last guy as wicked and slothful because he was not faithful in, in investing and, and gaining and, and seeing advancement on what uh, the master had given him. So the point of the story is God calls us to be wise managers of the gifts and talents and resources he has given us here today. And, and it does no good to compare and say, well, that one has five talents and I've only got one. No, God gives each of us according to our ability. God gives each of us sometimes just according to, to his sovereign decision. And, and we're faithful to only manage and use what God has given to each of us. So don't compare. Because really, when you compare, we only we get either pride or condemnation, and neither is good. So don't compare amongst yourselves. Uh, use what God has given you, and be a faithful and wise manager of what God has has given you. So, this story is is one of Jesus' descriptions of what the kingdom of heaven is like, and and the greatest treasure, the greatest talent that God gives us is the gift of, of salvation. And he calls us to share that message with others, to be wise managers of the gospel message. That's the primary meaning of this parable. But in addition, we're called to be wise managers of all the blessings of life that God gives. And guess what? When you manage those pieces wisely, God supplies more. Number three, in God's kingdom is a life of contentment. So, at first glance, this, you may look at that and say, well, that's a contradiction to the previous point. Can a person desire to advance and yet live a life of godly peace and contentment? I say yes. Uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11, the Apostle Paul says, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. The Apostle Paul says he, was, he lived a life of peace and contentment. Now, if you read anything about the life of Paul, you know that if there was any, ever anyone who was a goal setter, an, an active hard worker, uh, one of the most hardworking apostles, early missionaries of the, of the early church, he had goals, he planted churches, he broke much uh, new ground for the Christian church. And, and yet, on the same on, on the same scale, he, he says here, he declares that God had given him the gift of peace and contentment. So you can be hardworking and you can have goals and you can be going ahead in what God's called you to do. And yet you can still be a person who stops to rest, ha, lives a life of peace 
and lives a life of contentment. And God's kingdom is a life of contentment. Number four, in God's kingdom, the principle of sowing and reaping, planting and harvesting. Galatians chapter six, God says, uh, Paul says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. So the principle here is that we reap what we sow. We harvest what we, what we plant. 2 Corinthians 9. The point of this, whoever sows sparingly, talking about planting, will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times you may abound in every good work. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Financially, the sowing and reaping principle often refers to giving and and to tithing. In the Old Testament, tithing, giving of 10% to the Hebrew storehouse. Old Testament law told people to give a tithe, 10%, to support the workers, to help the poor. And God intended his people to be blessed so that... They could be a blessing. Often they forgot that part. Enriched so they could be generous. The tithe in the Old Testament was the law. It was the law. You had to do it. You were compelled to do it. It was an outward action. Whether or not your heart was in it. It was the law. You had to do it. In the New Testament, God's Spirit comes to live in us. Gives us new life. Gives us a new heart. Gives us new attitudes. Gives us new desires, new goals, new directions. And so in the New Testament, the tithe is just a beginning. Because with a changed heart, we can give cheerfully, generously, extravagantly, hilariously. That's what the tithe is. That's what giving is. That's what generosity is in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it's law. You had to do it. In the New Testament, we have a new heart. We have a new spirit. And we can give happily, cheerfully, joyfully. It's a heart of generosity. In the New Testament, some churches were famous for being generous. 2 Corinthians 8, Paul commends the poor church members in Macedonia for their extravagant giving. Number five, God supplies supernatural wisdom about money. James 1 and and verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. One of my favorite scriptures, because I, I tell you, there, there are times when I'm going through life where I need wisdom. Anyone, anyone with me? It's like, wow, I really need, I really need wisdom, because I'm not sure what to do here, and I'm not sure what to say here. I really need wisdom. I love that verse, and, and memorize that verse, because it's a promise of God, He promises that when you need wisdom and you ask, he promises to give you wisdom. There's uh, no two ways about it. Learn how God God supplies supernatural wisdom about money. 
So I, I encourage you, gain wisdom about money. Gain wisdom about how money works. Learn how money works. Learn how saving works. Comes a Dave Ramsey seminar. Comes a Dave Ramsey uh, class. <laughs> you'll learn how saving and budgeting work, right? <laughs> you, you'll learn how mortgages work and investing work. Get some, get some uh, wisdom. Get some supernatural wisdom about money. Read some books about finances. Talk to prosperous people about money and, and the lessons they learned over the years. God supplies supernatural wisdom about money. And finally, number six, the last one. In God's kingdom, there is freedom. And that's freedom from anything that becomes a God. That's freedom from anything that becomes an addiction. That's freedom from anything that has undue control over you. Because God should be the only one who has control or first place in our lives. What can control us? Just about, you can be addicted to almost anything. Whether that's food or drink or sex or substances or sports or betting. I want to talk this morning about being set free from a poverty spirit. Third John and verse 2 says, Beloved, I pray that all, will, will, all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. See, there's this connection between our soul and spirit, what's happening inside of us, and that connection goes to your health and to your finances. And the poverty spirit is a negative mindset. It's a negative way of thinking. It's a grid through which people perceive or view the world. Harold Eberly writes in his book, Developing a Prosperous Soul, How to Overcome a Poverty Mindset. This is a book that significantly changed my life. Harold Eberly writes, When people are under a poverty spirit, forces are at work in their lives to cause failure and defeat. Lack seems to helm them, no matter how hard they work or try. Their car breaks down more than the guys down the street. They get sick when they need to work. Their fuel bill seems to be higher. There simply is not enough money at the end of the month, month after month. It is as if they are under a dark cloud or a curse. And, and personally, I know a lot about the poverty spirit because that was, that was the environment in which I grew up as a child. Uh, in the family in which I grew up, we were, we were poor. We were in debt. and We didn't have a good mindset. We didn't have a lot of faith for prospering or advancing. We hadn't heard uh, this teaching about, about God prospering us. In fact, our mindset was that, was that poor people were just a little bit more spiritual than rich people. I don't know where we got that one, but anyway. Matthew 6, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, don't be anxious 
saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And so there are two contrasting attitudes portrayed in these verses. One of of anxiety and worry and fear, and the other one of, of confidence and peace and trust. I believe that, that the cornerstone of all this this morning, the cornerstone, there's the, my poverty spirit slide, the cornerstone to all this is faith and a good Heavenly Father who deeply cares for even the smallest parts of our life. I believe that, that God did a work in me some time ago to, to set me free from a, a poverty spirit. And so instead of, instead of going through life expecting to be poor, expecting failure, expecting that, that uh, I wasn't going to make it, God began to do a work in my life where I began to see that I had a good Heavenly Father who, who blessed me and that I could advance and I could be, be blessed by Him. So I don't know this morning if you're filled with, with fear or pain or worry or anxiety or stress. The Bible says, Jesus said it only takes a faith like a mustard seed, a tiny, tiny bit of faith <coughs> to move a mountain of fear and worry, to move any mountain. But, but I'm talking about a mountain of fear and worry. Faith as small as a mustard seed. So I want to encourage you this morning. I don't know where your faith is, but... That you'd ask God to increase your faith to a new level. Ask God to renew your mind from one of failure and poverty to one of prospering. And and these are some of the basic keys to biblical prosperity. Do you ever ever talk to yourself? Come on, admit it. Most most of us do. (laughs) Yeah, most of us talk to ourselves. Maybe when no one else is around. Most of us talk to yourself. What, What do you tell yourself about money? What do you tell yourself about your finances? Uh, I know what the, uh, some of the uh, sayings that, that, the world, that the world has about money. You know, well, it's just one step forward and two steps back, right? I owe, I owe, it's what? Off to work I go. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just a hamster in the wheel. Yeah, here we go. I owe my soul to the company store. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're never going to make it. Uh, we will never advance. We're never going to get ahead. We will never prosper. And that's, uh, I think, so many of the times we're telling ourselves, deep down inside, we're saying, uh, we're not getting anywhere. We're not advancing. So I encourage you this morning to turn that self-talk around and line it up with God's word, line it up with God's truth, line it up with, with uh, what God says that we have a good Heavenly Father who, who cares for us and loves us. St- start speaking God's life over your life, God, God's truth over your life. Start speaking faith over your life that we are going to advance, right? That we are receiving God's favor in our family. That we are receiving God's blessing in our family. So because of God's care for me, like the birds, like the flowers, because of God's care... I'm free from worry or stress or anxiety or or fear. I'm going to receive pay raises. I'm going to receive a better job. I'm I'm going to 
maybe even take training or a college course to get a better job. I'm going to set long-term goals, and, and we're going to learn how to save and how to, how to budget. And one by one, little by little, our debts are going to be paid off. And, and we are prospering, and we are advancing because we have faith in a good Heavenly Father who loves us and cares for us. So I want to encourage you this morning. I'm not sure what situation you're in, but wherever you are, that God uh, wants to uh, get that new revelation that you have a good Heavenly Father and that God wants to see you set free from a, from a poverty spirit. Perhaps there, there are uh, some here today who who don't know what that means, the, the good Heavenly Father part. And we'd just like to invite you to uh, bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. We'd like to, to pray, and I'd especially like to pray for those who may not have ever uh, believed in Jesus as their, as their Lord and Savior. And I just want to begin to, to pray over you and for you and invite you to pray along with me, perhaps just quietly in, in your heart if you'd like to this morning. Uh, I invite you to pray, God, I believe in you. God, I believe you love me and care for me. God, I believe you sent Jesus, God the Son, to die for my sins. God, I receive your free gift of salvation. And God, I purpose now to turn from my sins and to live for you. And I just invite you this morning, I believe that there are several different areas that God wants to minister freedom and life to us this morning. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? I believe the, the first area is in the area of a, of a poverty spirit. If you've uh, just been living under that cloud of, of feeling like, like you're constantly, constantly failing and, and never able to see God's blessing. Uh, we want to pray freedom over you this morning in the name of Jesus. We want to break poverty spirits in the name of Jesus. We want to uh, uh, ask God to replace uh, poverty spirit mindsets and, and ways of thinking this morning with, with a prospering and, and blessing and, and new faith in God uh, this morning, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray, well, we just come against today, in the name of Jesus, we come against a poverty mindset, a, a, poverty, a poverty spirit, a, a poverty uh, outlook on life, Lord. And I pray that you would replace that, and you just begin to replace those mindsets with, with the truth from your word, that you're a good father who loves to bless your children. You're a good father who, who cares for us even more than the birds and the flowers. God, God that, that you're a good, a good father who loves to pour out his, his rich blessings on us. And Lord, I pray that, that many here this morning would be able to step out of that poverty spirit into a, a prospering spirit in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray this morning for a revelation that we have a good father. And, and for those this morning who, who may be uh, still hurting or, or, or suffering because you didn't have a good father relationship or you, or you had, a, had a painful father relationship or, or had no father in your life at all. Lord, I, I just begin to pray for healing uh, for, those, 
for those hearts and, and uh, souls here this morning, those who are hurting, those who are wounded because of what, uh, what happened to them uh, through their earthly fathers. Lord, I pray for a new revelation. I pray for uh, a new revelation of, of God the Father, a, a loving Father who, who cares deeply for us, who will never forsake us, who will never, never, ever let us down. I pray for healing this morning, those who are carrying those wounds of, of what fathers have, have done to them. Lord, uh, would you give us a, just a new revelation of how good how good our Heavenly Father is. I'd like to invite our prayer ministers to come. We'd, we'd like to be here to, to pray with you and, and minister with you this morning. So, Lord, I, I thank you that uh, you have spoken to us. I, I thank you that your word uh, has gone into our hearts. Lord, we today pray for the protection over that word, that the enemy would not be able to come in and steal or rob or kill or destroy. Uh, we pray protection over that word, that it would, it would take root in our hearts and lives and that it would, it would bear fruit. Lord, we pray for your purposes to be accomplished here this morning and, and throughout this week as we, as we minister to other people, as we uh, see and, and hear and sense the word of God uh, doing good work inside of us and producing fruit. Lord, we, we pray that you would, you would do your work in us, do your work in those we touch, do your work in those we, uh, uh, worship, uh, we work with uh, in, our, in our workplaces this week. Lord, we bless you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.